and welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster and daytime cooking show contestant, and I'm sat in my little office at home, as is Paul Foster at his house. How you doing, mate? I'm not bad. How you doing? You all right, yeah? Yeah, good. Just want to say also big congrats on the new launch, relaunch date of Salt coming back to us. Yeah. September. That's exciting. Yeah. 3rd of September. Yeah, we opened up the bookings on Monday, I think it was. Yeah, and it's gone crazy. With Has it? Yeah, a lot of places are full already. Well, new full. Obviously, we're doing we've a ten table restaurant, and we're doing we're only opening up six tables. Cool, space. I was say, yeah. Um, turning a couple. I mean, like we always did anyway. We always turned a couple, so it's sort of sixty percent occupancy, which isn't bad to be honest. Yeah. Um, when all this opened and up, and things were a bit on edge, it was looking more like it would be forty percent occupancy. But I just think watching other people over and houses work, we can just take it up to another level and just manage it properly now yeah that's awesome that's great to hear it must feel good as well to know that you're going back to work like just as simple as that sounds like it's just like that's yeah quite cool. it's it's very strange i was i went out for a drink last week with my my manager jack we just went to um a dough and brew in uh in warwick and I, I was looking at my calendar and we were just going through a few different things and i said I just sort of clicked. I said, how spoiled does this sound? I just thought to myself, oh no, I've only got another three weeks off left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like suddenly it feels like a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, like yeah. I've never had three weeks holiday in yeah. my life. Like yeah, I've had, true. just generally so it's true. two weeks and you're so grateful for it. But now I'm like, oh, there's only three left. <laughs> <laughs> Make the most of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Well, um, I think like we discussed the other day, we'll talk about it, a bit more about it at the end of the podcast, but I think after next week, we might just do a bit more podcasting before, for you, things go back to normal, just about what the new normal is for restaurants and about yeah. how it all works. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll discuss definitely. that a bit more at the end. And um, yeah, for now, it's back to the film club, our 10th episode, and we turn to Netflix series Ugly Delicious with David Chang, 7.8 on IMDb. Stormer oh, of a foodie show this is, isn't it? Like, it's proper-like... Oh, it salivating tv yeah it gets right into the the nitty-gritty yeah. and the you know the real what what Chang, david chang's about as well just like flavor and great food and great experiences yeah absolutely yeah. and that came across in this one we watched the steak episode which is in series two and like oh my god i just it sounds so obvious to say it but i don't think i've ever wanted a steak more than watching this show and I was having my I watched it again over breakfast and I was having eggs on toast and I was still even though I had finished it I was like I still want a steak now I I still happily roll into a giant steak to myself well I watched it last night and I was starving to be fair I'd I'd already had my dinner and everything I'd been out on a fairly big bike ride and it was about 10, 11 o'clock and I was starving I just just had like all I had to make that was nice and simple was like a ham sandwich it did not do it for me at all I'm watching this incredible beef being cooked over (laughs) flames as me just a little ham sandwich with mayonnaise and some hula hoops yeah oh mate no that does not quite live up to the the t-bone expectations that the show holds Um, yeah yeah, if you've if if you've watched it, you'll sort of know that it's a really quirky show in terms of how it's shot and how it uses like clips from other shows and and stuff like that throughout, which is quite unique. And I love that opening montage you get of like a minute or so of like The Simpsons and Robert De Niro and Seinfeld and Gordon Ramsay and just all these references to steak throughout TV and yeah. film, with which there are way more than I ever really realised. Exactly. Um, yeah, even there's Simpsons, everything in there. Yeah, absolutely everything. I guess I, th- I was trying to think what the, what's the point they're trying to make, and I guess it's like a universal thing that everyone can like relate to. It sort of it crosses. Yeah. It's no one cuisine, is it? A steak, which is quite unique. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of exactly. uh, dishes are associated to a region of the world, whereas a steak is just literally it's universal grilled meat. Yeah, yeah, have it yeah. in pretty much every country, just in slightly different ways. Sometimes, well, actually, we, but... we may as well talk about that now, but I didn't actually realise that until they showed that um, that graphic, that artistic graphic of um, how they divide a cow up in different countries and the different names yeah. of different joints. I didn't realise that that was so different country to country. And I think they sort of grouped France and us together and then America together and Argentina separate. They all had different ways. I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, ours are more similar to Europe, but still quite different to France. Um, like... French have always done it 
better than us tradi- traditionally. Like right. we've always been better at cooking beef than the French. That's a fact. Oh, really? Is that a fact? Yeah, yeah. That, that's why actually, a little little story. You know, yeah. their nickname for us is os beef, like roast beef. Yeah. It's not because we love roast beef on a Sunday, which I thought it was. Oh, I it's thought a- it was, It's yeah. actually because we um, perfected the art many, many years ago of spit roasting over coals beef oh. uh, without getting it too smoky. So rather than just smoking and roasting, it's like this roasting. And the French sent their best chefs over to learn from us. So that's where what? the nickname Osbeuf comes from. Because yeah. it did start to be used as a derogatory term, didn't it? It is, so and I, I think it still is. But yeah, that's yeah. where it comes from. Ah, yeah. that is fascinating. That, yeah, I, I heard didn't, that story no on a, a Heston bo- podcast, and yeah. I trust Heston. So. Oh, that's almost <laughs> made me feel slightly proud and patriotic for the first time in a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we taught you that. You were boiling beef before we come around, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. So, uh, yeah. And, what, what, and the cuts and the names of the cuts, they are quite different as well then. Are, you, yeah, they are. And, the... I mean, one thing the, the French did like before us is like say we'd have like, I don't know, say a like using lamb, for example, a leg of lamb, they would seam bone it. So, or even a rump of mean? beef. So a rump of beef, this got about five, I think it's five different muscles in it. So traditionally, right. we just cut a steak and you get these like, so you get these 16 ounce rump steaks. They're not very good, to be honest. Right. I would always avoid them um, because you'll get three, maybe four different types of muscle in there and it'll be grilled one way. The fibers yeah. in each muscle go different way. they different textures so sometimes you'll be eating eating a bit and you'll have that bit of gristle in the middle and then one bit will be more tender than the other so seam bone it means you'll take um say you'll take the rump cap off and then you'll take the spider off and then you've got the individual muscle i can't remember the names Uh. but it comes into five different muscles and should be cooked separately essentially in different ways and you'll get a much better result so i think i think the french did that before us and you know we've really picked up on that so when we've done roast beef at salt we'll use the rump cap so we'll just roast the oh, cap okay. we'll just, i've never roasted a whole rump because right. it's inconsistent oh, i yeah. didn't really realize that god the art of it all i suppose it just looks like fat and meat to mm. an average eye doesn't it it's just like that's the fat bit that's the meat bit like yeah the fibers go in the different ways and the different textures and tenderness that you'll get from cooking it in the same way i suppose it's going to be really different muscle to muscle exactly exactly so yeah, in your I was gonna ask you that. In your insult is that that's always the cut of beef you tend to go for? You always go for that rump cap? Yeah, it's um it's really good. It's pretty much as good as the sirloin for roasting, slightly more cost effective. Um so you, that's what you've got to th- gotta think about. Is it is it as good as can be and is it cost effective? And, and we get them from Aubrey Allen and as long as they're you know, they're beautifully aged from good cows, yeah. it's it's as good as any good sirloin really. Yeah, aging was a theme throughout this show, wasn't it, about aging? And we actually learned towards the end about how just because a cow is old um, doesn't mean that the the meat can't be incredible if if it's sort of like aged correctly. And I had sort of no real understanding of how that works. And when people say aged, I assume it does literally just mean treating it in a certain way and then storing it for a long time until yeah. something what what is that process and do, have you ever been, worked in a restaurant <laughs> was, where you age the meat yourself or you just get it in already aged yeah generally it's a lot easier to get it aged the butchers have got better facilities but we've aged yeah. things ourselves uh, all sorts of different meats and different different ways there's a lot of different methods and different things but essentially dry aging is the best way now if you mm-hmm. look in this if you go to a supermarket you'll see like beef sometimes maybe in the you know the higher price taste the difference whatever it might say 21 day aged beef yeah now that's a that's a slight play on words that is going to be pretty shit to be honest with you because it's wet aged it's not dry aged so wet aged that just means it's it's been kept for 21 days just as it is pretty much they'll vacuum pack say a whole sirloin and it'll be aged, like wet aged for that amount of time. So it doesn't dry out. The enzymes are still in there and they're breaking it down. So it will start to tenderize, but it doesn't get the same sort of flavor profile as dry aging wow. because it's sat in its own moisture, a little yeah. bit of blood, but all that moisture. And what what happens when you dry age, like anything, you're removing water. So you remove yes. water content, you concentrate the flavor. Yeah. Real simple process. Simple if it's sat that, yeah. in its own liquids, it Whoa. can take on a slightly sour flavour. Yeah, it doesn't. Man, it doesn't get that dryness where you can caramelise it. So I'd always just be careful of that. Dry. Just saying, age doesn't. It's not a marker for quality. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. That's clever. It's clever how they use in supermarkets a play on words to sort of sell you the idea of it. Because people, I think they touched upon it in this show, didn't they? About how the literature and everything around it can sell the idea of the state to you. And saying Mm. 21 day aged doesn't... That that is such a clever, subtle way of saying something you think is great that is actually not really benefiting the taste and flavour in the cooking at all. If they put the word wet in there, what would you think? Yeah, imagine if they said that 21 day wet Wet age. age. No thanks. Sounds rotten. (laughs) And that's an interesting... Sorry, carry on, mate. That's all right. Uh, Yeah, that's an interesting point, though, because I never... I, I, I genuinely don't believe I'm like a snob when it comes to food. But I've never really consciously thought about it till now that I never buy steak from the supermarket because it just never it. I've never questioned it, but I've just never thought it would be good enough. And like it's, it's it, 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 I'm probably it's just a gut. But when you just see it there, it just doesn't look. You know, when they're all in a row and they're vat packed little, it yeah. just doesn't look good enough, yeah. does it? I mean, you you'll get some you know, half decent stuff. Sometimes in Marks and Spencers and Waitrose uh, is better than a general supermarket. But general supermarket meat is pretty shit, to be honest. Yeah. Like red meat wise, I couldn't. I'm, I'll get the odd bit of mince, maybe for some bolognese for family yeah, or same, kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't tend to buy joints or anything like that, or anything where you want to roast it, where you where you want a special occasion meat. You know, no. like how often do you have steak at home? Not that often, do you? Not Never. me either. So you you get it from a good butcher, you know. Yeah. But mince and chicken and things like that are more common and more forgiving. So mm. yeah, you tend to get that from the supermarket. But no, I just I just avoid it and buy eat less but eat better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that pay was the more theme of this, and eat better. Yeah, that was the theme of this show. I mean, you, when they were sat around the table discussing about what meat means to them and what it represents, and then the environmental impact it has on having cows in fields, mm. they actually were saying that despite being huge meat eaters, meat eaters and how much they love steak, they wouldn't mind having it less and more infrequently. And I think one of the one of his friends sort of talks about how he can imagine a world where his kid when he's older is eating vegan or vegetarian meals four days a week mm. and then having us it would be more of a special occasion to buy really beautiful cuts of of steak that are hard to get hold of that are more yeah. expensive but it will taste better and it'll feel like more of an occasion even though it will cost more and that seems like a quite a nice world to live in really and then cra- the crazy thing is that's how it used to be yeah, you're right. Actually, it's yeah, been it's quite it's old been driven sounding. by demand, it, and they touched upon it in that show that, like, growing up, steak was a treat, and it was for yeah. me when I was growing up. Even though things were becoming more commercialised, but it, demand from the consumer has just driven that heavy, intensively reared production to yeah. have steak all the time, cheap, available anywhere like Costco, Sainsbury's, Lidl, yeah. any sort of level you want it. You can get steak whenever and it's a general general thing. And I think it really needs to come back the other way. Um, you know, again, touching upon like the vegan argument and how bad beef is for the environment. I think intensively reared, you know, grain-fed beef is bad for the environment. Um biodynamic farming is the only way forward and it's about a balance you know a completely vegan diet if everyone in the world was vegan it'd be bad for the planet everyone at red meat every day would be bad for the planet so getting that balance, balance of the right farming yeah. the right amount that we're eating and the right price and it will become that special thing again yeah there was that cool guy in that show who did that process you described there of having a small amount of cows that was sustainably farmed and then used them to sort of literally naturally fertilize and graze on the land and then move them from field to field and then use that previous field to grow crops on and it was like this natural evolution and he he actually said that that was carbon positive he was actually yeah helping the planet it wasn't just being neutral about it it was actually helping and it seemed like such a simple model i was expecting it to be really complex but it looked really simple Because nature's been designed um, through evolution to to do that for us, to have that process. Yeah, that's so true. When we're taking over... We just interfered, haven't we? Yeah, and we're putting it in a factory. We're controlling this uh, whole environment, and it's not not natural where the will can do it for us. Um, And it... It doesn't. It doesn't need to be that way. And you know, no, another thing is what we need these grazing animals fertilizing the land because I forget what percent it is, but there's 
a large percent of the world that we can't grow crops on that is much yeah. better to actually raise cattle on but like in terms of like obviously we've discussed the dry aging and then you know we discussed how you know the husbandry is good for the planet and not only good for the planet but good for the actual product but yeah. there's so many things it's so complicated the the stages that go into making incredible beef um yeah. and then the even over the past few years i don't know exactly when there's a woman you should look her up actually she's really interesting her name is temple grandin uh, she's an autistic right. lady but she's like ground done some groundbreaking research and made groundbreaking changes into the way that uh, cows in particular are slaughtered um right. so she had noticed okay i don't know how a lot of this is just sort of from my head or we'll have to go over it properly but um stress levels animals were um getting to and oh, you must have heard about how stress can affect meat you know, yeah, it can make it well, tough if you're slaughtered in the wrong way. It was it was touched upon in that one at the near the very end when they they go to that Spanish guy's uh, yeah. ranch and he says how well yeah it's an old cow but it's had such a good life and it's been so well looked mm. after. There's no stress there. Yeah, and you can even you can look after it and give it the best husbandry possible. But if it's incredibly stressed in its last moments, that can affect the meat as well. Because what wow. can happen, you know, when you tense up or when you do a workout, you next day you feel lactic acid, don't you? that lactic acid is in your muscles that can affect the texture of the meat the flavor of the meat all from this being stressed so she designed this system and they've changed a a way a lot of abattoirs have worked based on her research and her knowledge and um, like for instance the way the cow enters the building the 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 direction it walks so they always walk in the same direction Um, they always have the same sort of light and these things have made a massive difference to the consistency of the end product yeah temple grandin like really really interesting lady yeah that is fascinating and but i suppose also being as humane as possible is a side effect of keeping the taste great because you're not stressing the animal out so it's good for us and good for them exactly exactly she was actually doing a talk a couple of years ago at Aubrey Allen and I couldn't make it I was gutted because she was going to go oh, into really? further detail about everything yeah, yeah so uh, hopefully so she'll be doing one again yeah definitely mate that sounds incredible um yeah it's such a celebration of steak really and, and meet this whole um show and yeah it talks about the environment and things but then it also just talked about the simple good stuff about a good mm. old steak and how sweet it's so starting from the bottom up what is your favourite joint and how are you having it cooked? If you're going to a nice restaurant, if, what's your... If I'm having a steak, I'm, I would always, uh, if I had a choice, it would always be something from the rib. So like a rib eye, or like a, yeah. a rib on the bone, like something like that, or maybe a coat of birth or something. That sort of thing and is the perfect is that? Is steak that for the, me. Because it's got a bit of fat in it and the marbling and that sort of thing? Fat, flavour, good texture. So yeah. a fillet steak... I'll take or leave it. You know, a beautiful fillet steak is lovely. But yeah, they actually laugh about that at the, the beginning texture. of the show, don't they? About yeah. how, like, you know, because one of them's like, I love fillet steak. And they and one of them is literally like, that's disgusting. How dare you say that? <laughs> it's like, but I suppose because people, I suppose it's um, desirable because it looks good because uh, it's so lean and, and looks so pretty. Exactly. Mm, but yeah. um, it's and not it's maybe the most flavorful. It, you know, tight little tornado in the center of the plate and stuff. Yeah. You know, fillet, fillet can be nice. Um, but... It's never a rib or a sirloin yeah. is bloody good as well. Or if you take that rump cap that I told you about earlier, which in Argentinian is known, you may have heard of the pecana. That's what they call oh, the rump yeah, cap. Yeah. If you take that, cut it the right way, it almost looks like a sirloin. And that yeah. makes a beautiful steak as well. Um, I mean, there's so many. And for me as well, I mean, they were talking about um, how you have your steak cooked. And, you know, I, I do I do <laughs> judge people. You do, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They said you can tell so much about a person by how they order. Yeah. Like, you know, straight away, as soon as it comes in, like, well done. It's like, okay, I know exactly what this person's like. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not like, oh, I see about it. It's like, it's them. It's how they want to eat it. But I'm just like, yeah. oh, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> but, but, but for me, I don't think there isn't, there's obviously no, how you like it is the right answer. That That's, that's obvious. But, I don't think that like if I, I don't have all steak medium rare. So if I had fillet, I would I would tend to have it cut a little bit smaller. I wouldn't have a big thick eight ounce because I want it to cook a bit more evenly. I'd have it a bit thinner, and I'd have that like rare uh, in a really yeah. hot pan out out beforehand. Like all meat like that, you should always leave out room temperature. Cook, room temperature. Red yeah. hot pan and have it rare. Ribeye, like rare or blue, it's just it's just not great. I'd go medium rare just to get that fat melting a bit more. 
You know? Sure, got gotcha. the, the the people I do judge more are the you know the the knobby people who think they know what they're on about, but they don't. They'll come in ribeye. Yeah, I want it blue because I'm a man. <laughs> Fuck it. Like, <laughs> shut up, man. Because I'm a Just man. Yeah, I'm it, on a horse. That kind of like that attitude. Yeah, I want it blue. I say my steak. I have it blue. It's, but. <laughs> You know, you can have this like bit of fat yeah. that's not rendered in the middle. It's just not nice, and yeah, it's, well, that's know, it's that's fun. a that's a consequence, like we learn from this show, of marketing. Yeah, to us two men through Berg, <laughs> old Burger King ads. Like, yeah. that was mental. That watching that Burger King advert in 2020 feels like Neanderthal. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it was mental, and uh, like so, uh, he basically leaves his chick food. So food for women <laughs> in this one restaurant shoulder. walks across the road like a gibbon hunting for food, literally like a monkey. And he says hunting, hunting, it, for, hunting, and then goes into Burger King and literally holds the Big Mac, uh, like Big Mac, uh, whatever it is, Burger King burger aloft like a hero. Yeah. And the tagline that comes across is like something like a man's food or so it's like what the fuck is that that is absolutely fucking imagine if that launched now that ad campaign oh my god and then they touched on the the old spice advert which it's still funny the old spice advert and that was tongue in cheek weren't it yeah yeah yeah. it was exactly the whole the tickets are now diamonds i'm on a horse uh it's really (laughs) good but it does all that's and that's why you get people coming into restaurants now going yeah i'll have a ribeye a ribeye blue please mate because uh it makes them feel like a man yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i I do fall into it and like sometimes i'll go say if, if i'm going to chain restaurants and stuff like Generally, the the food is pretty pretty bad, so you stick with something safe. Like yeah, a few yeah. years back, I went to a Frankie Benny's in Leamington, and because it was Sunday night, and um, we're just going out to a bit, and it's just nice and easy. And yeah. like just looking at the menu, it's like I just know that's gonna be crap. I know that's gonna be crap, and yeah. my, my expectations there, so I'm never gonna be disappointed there, and I'm never gonna moan. Um, but I just thought I'll just have a steak because even like a, not a great steak. As long as it's the right cut, you can get away with cover it with some peppercorn sauce or something, and you're all right. <laughs> Peppercorns. And that's it. This night, I said, I, I said to this waiter, I said, I'll just have, I think it was sirloin, just medium rare. And he's like, I wouldn't. The steaks here are rubbish. <laughs> Fuck off. Are you joking? He said yeah, that. I was like, hey, and he's like, Fair play. I shouldn't say it. And he's like, please don't say anything. I was like, no, I respect your honesty. I know they are, yeah. but I'm going for a safe option. Um, wow. So I had something else instead. I said, well, look, because you've made me laugh and you've been so honest, I'll order something else. He's like, oh, good, yeah. good. I don't recommend them. Fair play. <laughs> Fucking, that is absolutely incredible. Fair play to the lad. That's amazing. <laughs> I know, it's brilliant. Oh. Yeah, I know what you mean though. Like, I, I went to the pub. I went to a pub last night that I'd not been to before. Um, that was, it was good. I'd say it was a bit better than cheap and cheerful, if that makes sense. Mm. But there's still an element when I'm looking at the menu of like, oh, I just, I'll just go gammon egg and chips, please. Yeah, because it's like, I don't. Oh, I just, I it, the steak could be amazing, mm. or it could be. It feels too risky to order it here. Yeah, and it be not 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 that I'm worried about like getting food put nothing like that. No, but no. For what I'm paying, quality. Yeah. Oh, I just I'm a bit nervous. It's not going to be, true. and that might be sounds. It sounds really judgy, but I just I can't. I just read in certain places. I'd rather just go safe because it's yeah like, yeah. I don't no, ruin I'm, it. I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. Yeah, but it's yeah. weird. It's a complex thing that, and and actually, again, they talk about that in the show. They really, I I actually feel like there was no stone left unturned with this show about steak. They talked about absolutely every element from the taste, the mm-hmm. side dishes, the environmentally friendly stuff, how manly it makes people feel. Like it was literally it, cultures, it was dissecting yeah. yeah everything to do with steak. And I really applauded the show for doing that. And yeah, they talked about how steaks in steakhouses in America are sort of the accessible and Costco, you know, selling them. Mm. That is the accessible meat. And actually how for those foodies and those high-end chefs who live and breathe this stuff, it's easy for them them to fall into the trap of judging everyone mm-hmm. for yeah. wanting their well-done steaks from Costco. And actually, as long as it makes you happy, that is ultimately all that, all that matters, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was... Uh... That's the overriding message in the the show, really. It's about what makes you happy and, Mm. you know, and it really sort of um, resonated with me, like, 
that you know you can get especially as a chef and you're working with great food all the time and i'm not i'm not a food snob you know i'll eat fast food i'll eat all sorts and my expectations are at a different level but you can you can be you can be judgy and you get into that way but it just shows that like um you know food like music the arts you know attraction law mm-hmm. of how like completely subjective they are yeah um, absolutely and um I, I it's like it's so personal yeah, it's personal, and you deserve to be almost a bit of a Hitler about it. Like you, you deserve to do like unfit, like do what you want, eat what you want, be happy with what you. you no one's telling you to do otherwise. You don't have to do. You, you, I don't know what the word is, but yeah, you're right with all those things: music, art, films. There's no yeah. like because what what's it what based on? Is relative yeah. to you, your experiences, your nostalgia. Um, yeah. You know, deep rooted emotion everything so like yeah. even i was thinking about it even more earlier and it's like i could tell you today like right now my ultimate pizza topping and pe- type of pizza two weeks yeah. time I, I might have a different answer yeah because i'm in a different place um yeah. you know i might i might just want a greasy doughy dominoes because of yeah. a long day and it's like that's gonna that's that's amazing that's the best thing i could have right now need, yeah. but another day i might want a beautifully stone baked with like amazing charcuterie on and yeah. So that that's why I think as restaurants, um, it's so hard to match people's expectations. And yeah. whilst you can have great restaurants, there is literally no such thing as a perfect restaurant. Yeah, it's so mental to think that in your restaurant, for example, which is Michelin starred, you will have some people come in and you'll blow their expectations out of mm. the water and they'll be overwhelmed with, oh my God, this is insane. And then there will be some people who have the same meal on a different table going, eh, a bit underwhelmed. Yeah. And yeah. It, n- nothing, none of that is to do with you and yeah, your exactly. food. None of it. it. It's all it, people's relative viewpoint and their experience. It could be like previous experience. It could be that... They've had a bad day. They've had an argument with their yeah. partner. They're they're hot. They're stressed. They're in a rush. Bang! That's it. And you never yeah. you can do anything you like. You're never going to please them. Yeah, and that's so you know true. that's it's what you got to kind of as long as you're confident with what you're doing and there's nothing technically gone wrong. You're not yeah. doing anything wrong. No, yeah. you're not. Yeah, it's so fucking funny, isn't it? Okay, back to the show. Um, other things that stood out to me just to talk about some of the sort of the fun elements. Um, I love the look of the, and I've seen this in other TV shows, the Bloom Onion. Yeah, I wrote that in the Bloom Onion. Oh, it looks cool, God, how it? Gr- So how does that, I'm guessing how that works is it's basically sliced in various ways, but then the the sort of the, the root part of the onion is Yeah, that'd be my assumption. So, so you, that it fans out. Yeah, so you'd go, you'd have the root at the bottom peeled, yeah. and then you'd imagine cut down, and then almost like a lattice cut down in the direction open it yeah. up and then it's either like floured or battered or something and then battered, deep fried deep whole. fried yeah. brilliant that awesome. looks banging like what, it's like ultimate onion ring that isn't it it's still gonna be yeah, juicy inside it is yeah. it that made me want to try and do it at home yeah i mean i'd fucking fail but it you looks it does look for it. <laughs> what what would your they talk about it in the show and they gave us a plethora of options a lot of which i didn't even know really were sides but i put that down as like an american thang um what are the best sides to have with a steak uh, for me, really good chips, just really yeah. good crispy drink flips. Sometimes you know I like Fluffy I like middle, onions with on the outside. It. Exactly, yeah. like you know Heston's triple cooked to like just the best thing to go with chips ever. I uh, go to go with yeah. steak. Um, yeah. yeah, I like onion rings if the longs are really crispy and chunky. So yeah, that that um, that bloom one looks perfect. Um, yeah. Caramelized onions sometimes perfect. Good um, one. Grilled tomato, I don't, mm, not really no, a big fan. It I'm doesn't do that. a lot, especially most places you go to, they're under ripe and out of season, so they're shy. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, I just also, and this isn't a knock on the tomato because I love tomatoes, but the wateriness on mm. top of the texture of the steak, I'm not, I just, it doesn't do anything for it for me. And, and that was an interesting point, the whole sauce debate. Yeah. I don't know. If I was having the best steak available at a really nice restaurant, I don't want any sauce of any kind touching oh, it. Okay. Yeah, I so really I like don't. it on on the side, and I'll I'll taste the steak, but then I'll have yeah. the sauce with it. So someone I, said that in the show, didn't they? They say I I do want the sauce, but I'll always mm. try the steak by itself before I dip it in anything. Of course, yeah, because you want the yeah. sauces that complement. The like Bernays doesn't take anything away from the steak at all. That's what I'm. Mean, I love a Bernays with a good steak. You so know, would that be your sauce choice? Lovely. 
I think it probably would just burnade, and I'd put some like I know it's not a burnade, but I'd put some mustard in it as well, just give it that extra Ooh, bit of tang, a bit of Dijon. Yeah. Oh, lovely! Oh, yeah, I'm so oh, I'm salivating to think about that. <laughs> I I um I used to, I love ketchup, and I have ketchup with lots of stuff, mm. but I'm not having any ketchup touch. Yeah, I'd fall out of you if you did. <laughs> it, it just ruins. It's just like it's almost plastering. It, it, if it was a shit steak, I'd be more likely to have ketchup mm. because it would just mask. You know, like when we talked uh, with um, Michael O'Hare about how curries just mask a load of sins with shit, like, yeah. leftovers. Because mm-hmm. you just cover it in spices and that's it. <laughs> bit like tomato sauce with a shit steak. It's like, yeah, if it's it shit, does. I'll just lather it in ketchup. Yeah, because it's so <laughs> sweet and acidic. It's yeah. just getting rid of all that. I don't, at home, if I ever have a steak, which isn't that often, you know, I'll have a bit of brown sauce, HP only. There is yeah. no other sauce. There's no, no other brown there. sauce on HP at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll have that with it, but not loads. Just just a little bit. It's just a little bit. Yeah. That little bit of spice. Yeah, yeah love it. Mm. Any salad? Any greens touching it? Anything healthy? <laughs> no. Fuck off. No. <laughs> what? Why? Like, just eat healthy in the day and have your steak. Don't don't fool yourself yeah. by I'm going to make this meal healthier because you're still having all that red meat, chips, and you know fried yeah, onions exactly. and stuff. I think I can't remember which place it was, but there was like a watercress sort of salad, and the dressing was a was a meat uh, like a yeah, but what was it it was like a meat sort it, it was, was like yeah using meat... the meat fat or something wasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> over the dressing of the salad i was like that is that is class that's um, awesome oh that. we've got to talk about one of the weirdest sort of restaurants i've ever detroit. seen on a tv show the schwitz yeah in detroit that one yeah had you heard no. of this place before no no not at all oh my word so um if, just in case anyone's listening it's not yeah, just in case anyone's listening that's not watched this show. So the Schwitz is this restaurant where years ago, during Prohibition times, where obviously alcohol was illegal, men would go there, have a sauna, mm-hmm. stay sort of naked or, or in like robes or in like a towel, and then they'd eat and have wine and booze over dinner. And they would do that illegally underground in like a basement because if you were wearing if you were wearing robes and stuff, you couldn't have a wire on you, mm, yeah. or you couldn't, couldn't be have secret tap in the conversation. Yeah. Did he say they were they were responsible for eighty percent of the illegal booze during Prohibition? That's yeah. massive. Eighty percent. That can't be for the whole Huge. country. Surely. It's got to be eighty percent of Detroit. Surely, just the yes, just it the city. Still be surely, a lot. But, uh, did it? Was that a bit? Because I I can understand that there was liberating parts of it because they talked yeah. about how it was like, you know, it was intimate, but it's just nice. It's like you know, you go and have a bit of a sauna, get whacked mm. with some bushes, jump yeah. in a cold water, and then like have a steak and some red wine. Did it make you want to go there? To be honest, it's very similar to what we did in Finland last year. Oh, it is, isn't it? Actually, yeah. yeah and then we went and ate bear. Like we were like, yeah, we're men. We're yeah, we've just been nearly naked together, but we're eating bear now. <laughs> bear sausage, sausages. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, what do you reckon? Um, I don't know. I've got nothing against it. It's not really my thing. I, I do yeah. regular. Um, perhaps because it'd you know, be an experience, wouldn't friends, it? Bloody hell! I'd, I'd, I'd do it, and I'd love to experience it. But I don't think it's yeah. something I'd be like on the weekly do that. Yeah. No. Yeah, because some people go there all the time. Though you can tell mm. me there's these old gents that clearly go there every Friday night. Yeah. But there was, I don't know. Even even you know David himself, he said, "Oh, this this steak tastes like one of the best things I've ever eaten." But it might just be because I'm so like overstimulated in other ways like I'm in a completely different mindset to how I'm not you know normally I'm just sat in a jeans and a t-shirt and I've just driven to a steakhouse Mm -hmm. whereas now it's a completely different experience but it looked mental really yeah yeah it does it does um yeah there's not many places like that about anymore is there (laughs) no not at all that's it it felt like a proper and I suppose maybe there was an element of charm to it just because it had this huge backstory of how it was a tradition years and years and years ago. So it sort of had this like element of nostalgia associated with it. I think it'd be yeah. weird if it just opened now. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to open a new steakhouse and it's you're naked and you have a sauna. I think people would go, what the f- What? The fuck <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas, it works with this, the nostalgia. Like the story. Said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, any, other, any other takeaways or things you know? Yeah, I'm... I loved, um, I didn't expect, it was a nice surprise. So when they went to Sydney and 
they went to a place called Fire Door. That yeah. I know that guy. I work with that guy, Lennox Hasty. No. Yeah, he's incredible. No chef he is. Yeah. So at Le Manoir, he was yeah. the demi chef, and I was his commie. So no I way. used to work directly under him on when I started on Cold Larder. And he, he's so fucking, cool. he's a phenomenal chef, and I mean I've been following him and keeping in touch with him for for a while now. And what he's doing oh, over wow. there is in, incredible. I'd I'd love to go. So it's just outside Sydney, and I mean he's worked in some of the best restaurants in the world. And he previous to this he worked in a restaurant that was very groundbreaking in in terms of cooking over coal. Um, yeah. it's, it's my ultimate restaurant I wanted to visit. It's in Spain. He was head chef there. It's called Asador Echebarri. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of in the, is it like San Sebastian region or something like that? Um, so he was head chef there and he really got inspired by like, they cook everything over coal, like this whole taster menu. And he, the chef created this like pulley system to raise and lower wow. these bars and stuff. So he went there and he went to Australia. He's an English guy and uh, opened yeah. up this fire door to, you know, international acclaim. And uh, yeah. I've had customers at Salt from Australia that have been there and like, wow. it's, it's apparently incredible. And oh, that's so as, cool. As well, only the other day I saw a clip for the new chef's table called Barbecue. Yes, um, yeah. which looks oh, great. So Lennox on, is on that. Yeah. No way, that's awesome. Yeah, I wrote his name down because he just seemed like a really knowledgeable, cool guy, and he gave that really philosophical sort of speech about how their steak was, you know, so individual because how mm-hmm. every single chef will do it differently. So it's like. But yeah, his setup just looked, it looked really modern and ancient at the same yeah. time. Like even unique, completely Even like unique. boiling water for, to blanch anything, yeah. they have to do it over the, the coal. They don't just have a little induction to do it. Yeah, yeah which they brilliant. could, because it's still just you boiling could, yeah. water. Yeah, yeah I totally that, would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah. He seemed like a fucking cool guy. No way He's a great him. guy. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. so I worked work with him for, well, he was there the whole year I was at Le Manoir, but we, you know, first three or four months we were together in a section and I learned a lot from him. He was, yeah. you know, he was tough. He was a taskmaster at the time, but um, no, he was great. And then we moved around different sections and I think I went to pastry and he was on fish, but he was just one of those guys in the kitchen that stood out, you know, and in a kitchen like Le Manoir, it's very hard to stand out. And he yeah. did, you knew he was going to, you knew he was going to do well and be awesome. Wow. That's so cool. But a really sort of, I guess, uh, not unlikely, that's the wrong word, but not typical trajectory to then go to somewhere like the outskirts of Sydney and set up that sort of thing. You yeah. might not have expected that at the time of him, I guess. And what's funny about it is, you know, everyone knows how famous Australia is for barbecue. An English yeah. guy's gone over there and be like, oh, yeah. I'll show you how to barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's a really good so point. Done, boys. It was really, that's a good point because I thought, oh, he's English. No, wait, he's Australian. Wait a minute, I think he's English. Because he had a slight twang in some sentences where he was going up at the end. Yeah, he must and have other sentences, mm. yeah. yeah. But they complimented him on his voice as well, didn't they? Because they were like, yeah. oh, it sounds great when you say it with your voice. Yeah. So was like, he just says classic Americans <laughs> loving the English voice there. That's what that yeah. is. Um, oh, the other what, uh, scene I wanted to mention, because I thought it was, really, it was really funny how they edited it, was with that uh, Instagram slash um, food reviewer um, out in, was it in Tokyo? Um, and she called uh, what was her name Little Meg or something Little Meg oh yeah Little Meg yeah yeah they had the and, emoji uh, on her face yeah the emoji on her face the entire time which then changed to like a blown my mind emoji and uh, I don't know why she wanted her I, I, I was trying to figure out why she wanted to be anonymous I was like I don't really what's the well so the restaurants don't recognise her guess... coming in and then she gets yeah, special treatment was... so it's an authentic uh... review yeah, you know, like uh, Marina, like everyone knows what Jay Rayner looks like. Everyone knows what Joel Corrin looks like, but Marina McLaughlin, you don't know what she looks like. Yeah, no, that's a really yeah. good point. I never thought about that. That's so, God, you'd feel like Superman, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. But yeah, that 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 looked incredible because it did not look typical for, I guess, our you know in our culture in American culture how the steak is served compared to how. Um, it was in that restaurant there where it almost looked raw. It didn't look like it had barely been cooked at all. And then it was folded in the raw egg. And that was mm. like mind blowing to me because I have to admit, I looked at it and went, ooh, really? Yeah. But then you just get it like, that's going to be but super then you rich. Can see... All the fat from the meat and then the And his reaction the was yolk. undeniable, wasn't it? He, he said, oh, I'm playing down how excited I am. But he didn't yeah. seem to be playing it down to me. Like he was literally like... <laughs> 
bouncing up and down and being he was giddy as hell eating that he was just like over the overwhelmed with how good that tastes yeah yeah definitely definitely no i i I, so many places i want to go this doing this film club has just made me just (laughs) so annoyed that i just can't afford all these places (laughs) yeah absolutely um yeah anything else from from the show uh, well, just, we haven't really spoke much about about David, really, and I think, yeah, that's a good I, mean, point. I think he's great for the show. I was fortunate enough to like have lunch, have lunch with him actually at his restaurant in hey, uh, New York. I never knew that. Oh, it was, oh, it was mega! It was mega because I went out to New York. When was it? It's probably about twenty twelve ish, twenty thirteen, something yeah. like that. Sat took me out there to do a to do a lunch. So we did lunch for forty people on the Saturday, but we were out there for five days. It was oh, wow. incredible. We just yeah. we drank a ridiculous amount and just just had the time <laughs> of our lives. And sat oh, took uh, a guy called John Blackwell out, who's um, who did all the photography his book and a lot of the book photography is in New York as well from that time. Because yeah. um, Sat's good friends with David, he, we had to do all this prep for the lunch, so we did it at um, Samba, which uh, Momofuku mm-hmm. Samba, which is. Um, David Chang's main place. It's not his two-star restaurant, but it's the most legendary one. And yeah. it was incredible. We were tra- treated like kings. We got there. Really? We, me and Sat were doing all the prep all day, just drinking sake and eating. Um, he made famous in New York the steam port buns. Um, uh-huh. it was, uh, incredible. And just bringing us there just having the time of our lives. And then we're halfway through the prep and David come in and uh, Sat went to sit down lunch for him. He's I'll get pulled down as well. So me, Sat, and David sat in Sambar. Oh just had man, what a pleasure! The most that is. incredible lunch. Um, you know, the whole duck come out. It was like beautifully glazed, almost like a Peking duck star thing, and just like all these more different steamed buns, all these types of steak, and oh, we were stuffed. And we're drinking the oh, most man. incredible sake you could ever imagine. And I was just yeah. having the time of my life. Like you're buzzing, like, not blinking. Sat, I'm, you know, I'm there with. <laughs> David, I've got David's book and he's like across the ocean. I'd been to Sambar before on my own when I'd been to New York. But I just went in, uh-huh. had some food and went. But this was like the ultimate experience. You're eating with the boss. And he is, he's a really nice guy, really intuitive, really yeah. expressive, just um, so passionate, so yeah, passionate. Yeah, you could tell that in the show, couldn't you? Like it was un- unadulterated love for food. Like yeah. no pretense, no sort of like pretentiousness, just fucking loves it and it's joyful like he looks like it might sound patronizing but when he's like smiling and enjoying his food he just looks like a teddy bear you want to hug him he just mm. he's just so happy and he just has a, such a love for it and it comes across so much yeah and um, i'm sure i'm sure i haven't opened that book for a while but there's a photo of us having that lunch and it wouldn't mean anything to bad. anyone but me just just like oh, i was mate, like I bet fucking you, buzzing for my love that yeah. photo yeah yeah um, oh. yeah but yeah, he's perfect for that show because of that. He's so genuine and so excited and he's really talented and he knows yeah. everyone. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, so he was just eating with like co- different people constantly, but they were clearly, they knew him. It wasn't like, you know, they'd just met or something. You know, it was really comfortable in everyone's company. And I think what I really loved about how the show was shot was whilst it was beautiful and funny and all those things, it was really candid. Like he never spoke to the camera once. It was like the no. camera just happened to be following That's a good him. Point, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I think just made it so authentic and real because you never felt yeah, like it really was a good. show. It was just we were a, we were sat around the table. Mm. That was it. it was just the, oh, this happens to be a camera there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I never even thought of that, but that. That's a great point, that is. Because I, I I was getting so giddy with it. I turned to Haley. I was like, oh, if me and Paul were to do a show, I'd love it to look like this. Yeah, yeah. Like to be able to have it in this style where the camera crew just follows us, but we just do what we want and talk how we want. And there's no like, you know, because so many shows, especially in in Britain, I think we're a little bit behind. Like Netflix, loads of food shows on Netflix that are often originating in uh, America. Your Chef's Table, this show, Mm. they they are all so shot in a modern way. Whereas a lot of shows in this country, they're very stagey. Yeah. when it comes to food like you know I don't want to just not just Great British Menu and those sorts of things but even like maybe your Saturday Kitchens and all those sorts of things from the past they're very like not even innuendo but just very much like oh and now we're going to move over to this section and they're looking down the camera lens just like so mm. tell us about this and oh yeah. how's the it's like it's not it's not real yeah. it's not yeah. how we talk <laughs> it's not yeah, like exactly and this show was that, wasn't it? It was like he was sat in a steakhouse and they like that that one where he's got his mate who brings out that machete. <laughs> uh, 
and he was just like oh, I've just had this in my pocket just for a joke. joke I've been sat on it for an hour basically just I can't I just used it for a joke and then the, the interaction with the waitress like it's all so normal so real yeah yeah, yeah. Not, it's not it doesn't feel like it's these shows are weighed down by rules and processes no. or health and safety or it's just it's real like yourself exactly great like, point there there's no way the director said to that waitress who served them the food in that restaurant, right, now, if you come in from this side and put the plates down in front of the two of them, and then just if you can walk off that way, mm. no. They just yeah. filmed do your it thing, we'll follow as it, it was. Yeah. Just whatever. Yeah, just do everything normally. We just happened yeah, to be here. The natural reaction from her, like when he got the knife out and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good point, mate. That, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Um... I really enjoyed the one of the last scenes of the film where they talked to that guy on his ranch, the uh, Spanish guy, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the, the cow that he should have put down, but he didn't because he fell in love yeah. <laughs> and all that sort of thing. And then they go into that lovely little, what looked like almost like a cellar-like restaurant mm. oh, uh, to eat the food. And that, that the, the, how it looked on the plate, that meat and that fat. And then he was talking, even when he ate it, it almost looks, it, it just looked perfect. And then he said how he's seen people come into this restaurant, eat the food and cry at their tables. Mm. And that sounds mental really on the face of it, but I believe him. I can oh, believe that you could totally. get that emotionally connected to the food. Yeah, totally. I, I You know, I... Totally, I've seen that sort of thing happen, and it, it's amazing and it's raw. Um, it it can evoke that much emotion. Yeah, and is that mental? Mm. Love it. Cool. Anything else, mate? No, I think that's it. Really, I'm just I'm just eager to watch the rest now. I've only watched bits and bobs, and I know there's yeah. some. There's a there's a taco one which has got Rene in. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch watch the rest uh, properly. Yeah, I've really I, I, really enjoyed I, that. I did that classic thing with Hayley where I was getting so carried away where I was like, um, oh, there's loads of others. Uh, there's a pizza one. I'm like, okay, I've got an idea. Every week, we'll watch one and make the thing that he's doing. And I was like, do you know what I mean? Just that classic yeah. overexcited. Just like, yeah, we'll have pizzas and we'll watch the pizza one. I think it's because when I was watching this one with the steak, it was like, oh, I'd love to be eating a great steak whilst watching it because it adds that mm. sort of like element of like love and feeling around it. It's not just about the taste, it's everything else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm gravitating same. towards the idea we came up with the other day about no. watching a food. That's that thing. There's legs yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, cool. Um, well, yeah, like we said at the beginning, we've really enjoyed doing the film club stuff because I've watched loads of stuff that I hadn't seen in a while or never seen before, and it does broaden your mind a bit about food. And uh, uh, and it's amazing, actually, not just the documentaries, but how much food has played a part in film in general. Like yeah. to all some great shows and great films, um, but I think yeah, we're you're off next week, aren't you? Take it, you're going yeah, home with the kids Cornwall. for a week. Yeah, that'd be Cornwall. nice. Have you booked in anywhere? Have you booked in anywhere? Can I ask? No, not with not with the kids. Like Ethan's too oh, young; yeah. he's three, and we're staying yeah. near Port Isaac. And I, I still haven't. I've popped oh, you're in for so a coffee with, so with Nathan. And, Nathan, yeah. yeah, and he's just changed as well. And I mean, it just looks great what he's doing. I did take him before to the. The fish kitchen. The four of us went, uh-huh. which was it was nice. But I couldn't relax and properly enjoy it. Ethan was like less than a year old, and Esme decided yeah. not to like fish that day. Which oh was no! Great in a fish restaurant, um, <laughs> new potatoes. Um, oh, but yeah, wow. I'd love. Now it's more relaxed as well. I'd love to go to Nathan Outlaw's uh, main place, um, New Road. It's called now, but yeah, just not not with the kids, unfortunately. No, I might, fair I might enough, go mate. to. I might. I might perhaps go to one of Paul Ainsworth's places like we went to Mariners last year like you've been there haven't you speaking of that did you see on his Instagram today yeah. who he had there fuck me Dad, Gordon and David because Gordon lives in Rock he's got a house in Rock around the corner really but, oh. yeah just David David Beckham oh, fuck mate. me imagine that kidding. mate you would do wouldn't you just want to smell him yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh I was thinking that like because I think doesn't David Beckham live in the Cotswolds now um, I actually heard that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He could come to Salt. We, we could invite him? him on the pod. We'll just message yeah. him. I'll just slide into his DMs like, all right, Dave, <laughs> got a podcast and a Michelin star place. Come up here. We'll have a chat after and, and we'll have a bit of Hague Club. Have a, have a glass of Hague afterwards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect Let's nightcap. It. Let's do it. I'll just message Gordon, slide into his DMs. Like, speak to your mate, yeah. Dave. <laughs> Uh, I I saw that picture of Paul Ainsworth though in between David Beckham and Gordon Ramsay. I thought he looked like a kid again. Didn't oh, he? totally. He looked like a little totally child. 
<laughs> but I love the little story on there as well. He'd, he'd put the Gordon just walked into the kitchen with David, and he's like, "Yeah, this is Paul Ainsworth. He was part of the dream team when we won three stars at Hospital Road." And he yeah. said that knocked him off his feet, and it would, wouldn't you? That amount of respect, like yeah. you know, Gordon telling David about you, like yeah, Jesus awesome. Christ, that is ultimate. Yeah. And actually, I think David, like all jokes aside, I think David Beckham's no mug to this stuff, isn't he? Because he travels yeah, the world totally. and goes to good places. Like he clearly has got a taste for it. He's really? not just. And he's uh, close to Gordon as well. So, you know, obviously they go decent places together. Yeah, yeah so it, no he is a legitimate there. nightcap guest potential. That's what I'm, that's what I think. I'm having that, mate. I'm having that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, well, have a great week in Cornwall, mate. And then what I thought what I think we're going to do is we're maybe going to park Film Club there. We could come back to it at a later date. Of course date, we but... could, yeah. I think what we might do is um, have a, do a couple more episodes just chatting about what it's like going back to the kitchen because obviously for you you're in the build up of reopening in September a lots of places are in the same position of you or have just recently opened up again so then we just good to delve into the positives and negatives what it's like all those sorts of things just chat about it and then we'll invite questions onto the pod and it could be about that or it could be about anything and we'll just sort of have some fun with it and get some questions on the go what do you reckon? No I think that's a great idea written there it's sort of very relative relative to what's going on at the moment and it'd be relevant to a lot of people um yeah. and then yeah we can start you know get get people involved and then we can start looking at getting some guests on again definitely mate yeah we need to get those guests back involved don't we get the end of season three going exactly awesome exactly love it okay follow us on at the nightcap pod on twitter instagram facebook messengers comments questions from now actually because that's going to be the next episode is questions so about reopening about all the covid stuff the distancing or just about food in general anything you want to ask paul or advice just whatever you want and uh, or even funny silly stuff we'll we'll delve into it two weeks time so get messaging us slide into our dms we invite you to um <laughs> great one have a good week in cornwall mate thanks mate see you soon see you later buddy <laughs>